Open your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you have a Bible, if you are in, using sermon notes, uh, join us as we travel down the road together today. We're continuing our series. Repeat it with me, please. Say courageous, courageous. Conversations. conversations. Today we talk about courageous conversations about change. That's our focus today. This is part two in the change part of the series. We started the year talking about courageous conversations, and the goal of the series was to say, you need to have moments in your life when you sit down and you have a courageous conversation. And you sit there and you say, you say I'm going to have a conversation in my life about my life. and I'm going to make sure that my life makes sense because I don't want my life to get out of control. And every now and then, if you're not careful, your life will get out of control and you won't. You won't do the right kind of things. You'll spend your life confused in a frustrated place that God doesn't want you in. If you don't pause and say, these are things I need to talk about, my money, my finances, whatever it is. Sometimes it's habits you have, it's attitudes you have. Sometimes your attitude is bad. Your attitude is going to stop you from having God's best in your life. And so there's a moment when you need to stop and say, let's talk about that. But you can't talk all of your life. Can you say that with me, please? I cannot talk all my life. Now, last week, Minister Beverly and I, we split the sermon. And did she do a great job last week? Oh, they like you. Look at that. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Good job. I love this. She did a great job. Uh, call it tag team preaching. We'll do some of that in the future, and you'll get a chance to hear me and an elder in church or one of our ministers. Um, and, and sometimes I think that's really cool, uh, but that's another conversation. I, I liked the first conversation we had last week where I talked to you about one of the key elements that you need to, to make changes in your life. And we listed for you, first of all, that change requires research. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Change requires research. Come on. Everybody join me. Come on. Say change, change. Requires, requires research. So you can't, I put it in the notes. You cannot miss it. Research was demonstrated in our study last week by Nicodemus, who went to Jesus in private, and he went to Jesus for the purpose of finding out how do you do all this? How can somebody possibly do all that you're doing and then we talked about Jesus's the Lord's response to him in John chapter 3 verse 3 he basically said to him because Nicodemus came researching trying to figure out how he could do all the miracles he did and Jesus said here's my answer to you to understand all this for you to really catch on to what, what I'm doing you need to be born again you cannot get to listen carefully you cannot get to the new place you see, what you see happening in my life cannot happen in your life if you are not willing to start over. You can't start from where you are. You need to be born again. Everybody say born again. There's something about being clear that your thinking, the way you process is in the wrong place. It's kind of like you're a first grader and in thought, oh, okay, you more than that. You're a 10th grader in thought, but you need to have a master's degree understanding. There's something about being clear about how this works. You want to be a math teacher, but you only know multiplication tables. There's a gap between what you know and what you want to do. Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, I know you're a leader. I know you're a teacher of the Jews, but you have questions that can only be answered if you're willing to start over again. And that's what this is about. It's about going back to the beginning. And a lot of people don't like to be rookies again. But that's what it requires. 
and wants you to do that, in order for you to make that kind of step, John 3, verse 14 through 16, basically said one thing is necessary. You've got to believe. Can you say that with me, please? Say, I must believe. I'm going to do a whole series on this believing thing in a, in a few weeks. And I'm going to have a, converse, a courageous conversation about what we believe. And I, 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 I really think people fail to understand the power of believing. Your daily behavior is a sign of what you believe. Your choices, the way you spend your money, the way you invest, the, the, if your giving habits. If you honor God first in your giving, you believe that's important. If you don't, you don't believe it's important. And I can spend all my life trying to convince you, but you don't believe it's important. If I were to talk about something, and I, I'm going to jump on this and jump right off of it, I promise. I, I won't, I, I'll be... Um, just so fast, you'll be amazed. If, if you believe that sex before marriage is okay, God doesn't agree with you, the re reason you can know you disagree with God is because that's what you're doing. You're not married and you're, you're sexually active. Now, that's, okay. that's, that's your choice. God gave you that choice. But that's a belief difference. There's a belief difference. And I, and I think people should just have a courageous conversation about that. And just say, God, you know, I disagree with you on this one. Because your actions say you do. Now, I'm off of that, okay? But that's an example. And I, I said something really personal because I wanted to connect with you for a minute. There, there are things that you do on a daily basis that say, God, I really don't believe. And here's, here's what that means. You're not willing to start over again. You want to start from where you are. And he says, no, no. If you really want to know what I'm doing, Nicodemus, we've got to start over again. And it, here's what will happen. When you start over again... The change in your life will come like a wind. It will blow on your life and you will be amazed at how you change. Some of you now that look back at what you used to be, you can't even hardly explain how it all happened. All you did was you, come, you came with faith and said, Jesus, uh, I don't agree with everything you said. And I don't know how I can not do certain things. To be honest with you, I'm probably going to fail a few times, but I promise you this. I believe you're right. And because I believe you're right, I'm going to get on this road with you, and we're going to walk, walk together. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That, my friend, is how change happens. It starts with research and faith. I believe God. But there's another element, and, and, and there's a requirement that has three prongs to it. Repeat this with me, please. Say, change requires. Change requires. Say, exposure. exposure. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. And decision-making. Decision Today, briefly, I'm going to talk about those. And I mean that truly, briefly. I want to focus on those three words, exposure, sacrifice, and decision-making. It's really important for you to understand that the results in your life are an indication of, number one, the exposures you've had, what you've been exposed to. Number two, sacrifices you've made and decisions you've made. The results in your life are an indication of the exposures, sacrifices, and decisions you have made in your life. So look at your results and then say, okay, how did I get to this place? My argument is you got there because you were exposed to something that got you there. You wouldn't do drugs if you'd never been exposed to it. Exposure. You, you would not have this attitude toward men unless you were exposed to something that made you like that. The way you choose love, the way you respond when you're corrected. You, you, view criticism, you view any advice as criticism. It's my business. I do what I want. Exposure. 
Where'd you learn that one? Exposure is powerful. I'll come back to that later. Secondly, sacrifices. You have what you have now because of the sacrifices you made or didn't make earlier in your life. All the results in your life are tied to that. And lastly, your decisions. You decided. You decided. And I don't know why. It's so funny how people want to blame God. You know, you decided. You made the decision to marry that person. You fell in love with that person. You, you, made, a, you, made, you made these decisions. And sometimes we don't want to own up to that, but we did. So here's the question. Are you willing to, to be exposed to more of the world, make sacrifices, and make new decisions? If you're not willing to make new decisions, if you're not willing to make new sacrifices, then you're not going to have any different experiences. If you're not willing to be exposed, and exposure is awkward. Oh, I feel it sometimes. I, I just, I don't want to pay that price. I just rather just stay here. You ever look at your house and it's really junky and you just say, well, forget it. Really. You know, sometimes you just say, forget it. Just forget it. I'm just not cleaning this place. I refuse to sacrifice my whatnots and all my little things around and all my, I just, I refuse to let anybody come in and help me. I refuse. I, I, this is my decision. So that's why you have these results. And as long as that's true, you're in trouble. Now, mothers understand this because mothers look at their children and they say, wow, look at those decisions. They try to encourage their kids to make sacrifices. They try to inspire them. They try to expose them. My mother used to be really good at that. She would always let me go on all the trips and all the out-of-town stuff. She wanted me to have exposure. She just really never said no. Go, go. Yes, son. Try that. Yes, try. Because there's something about exposure that really revolutionizes your life. As a sidebar, let me just tell you, I think out of all the exposures in my life, reading has been the greatest exposure. It is, it is truly the key. Well, go ahead, clap your hand if you like that. That's fine. Reading, is, reading is, the, is the doorway to the world in a way that is way cheaper than a plane ticket and uh, way cheaper than going to school. Not Even though I believe in going to school, I believe in education. I, I'm, I have degrees. I think it's great. But in school, they get you to read. It's all about reading. If you haven't been to school, become a reader. And read what you like. I don't care if it's Batman books. Read something you like, and it will take you on a journey someplace that will help transform your life. That's why God, listen to this now. In all of his infinite wisdom, he left us a book. That's the pathway he chose to communicate to us. I want to give you a tool that's written. I want to write down what I'm saying so you can be clear. It's really important to understand the power of writing. And the power of script. Let me move back to my topic and let's talk about three uh, courageous steps that can change your results. All the results in your life. These three things can change them. Romans 12 is our text, verse 1. And the first thing you see in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is the importance of sacrifice. I beg you, Paul said, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, in this culture, when they heard that, they, a lot of things went through their mind because sacrificing animals was a part of their culture. In order to identify their sins, 
with an animal. They would lay their hands on the animal, and then they slay the animal, and the animal would be killed for their sins. The blood of the animal would be the covering for their sins. And God was showing man in this culture that uh, through this, 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 this law of, of sacrifice, your, your sins cost something. Jesus came and, and solidified it at the cross. But I want you to notice that that's the first thing that I believe is key. You have to make a courageous sacrifice. And here's the first sacrifice he says, give me you while you're living. A living sacrifice. And not just any way. Don't bring it to me any kind of way. And they understood this because they understood that the sacrifice had to be holy, set apart. Couldn't be a broke up sacrifice. Couldn't be a lamb with a broken leg. It had to be a holy, put together sacrifice. Bring me a holy sacrifice. And that's what's acceptable to God. And listen to this. That's your reasonable service. That's the least you could do. And so the real question is, are you willing to make courageous sacrifices? That is going to change everything. Secondly, are you willing to make courageous decisions? Look at verse 2. This is the decision you need to make. Do not be conformed to this world. The word conformed is the word that means to be shaped in the Greek. You think of something like, like a piece of clay. Don't be molded by the world around you. But here's what needs to happen. You need to decide that you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's that start over again thing again. Where your mind is changed, you think differently. The way you thought before is not how you think now. What's the difference between you 20 years ago and you today? What's the difference between you 10 years ago and today? Or last year and, and today? There's something about coming to God, making the decision. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind that I made. And here's why you do this. This is so important. If you don't get anything else I say, this is why you do it. This is why you give God your body. You give God your life. This is why you give God your mind so that you may prove. The word prove means to identify or recognize. What it means is when I give God everything, when I give God my mind, I'm then able to recognize his perfect will. Here's what I think is true. You can't even recognize God's will when you're in a certain place. Unsubmitted people cannot recognize this is the man God wants me to have or the woman God wants me to have or the job or the place or the attitude. They don't, they don't know. It, it's, it's kind of like if you were to... Um, Let's watch this. You ready? I'm going to give you an illustration of this. Sister Perry, I'm sorry for bothering you. I know you don't want me to do this, but I'm sorry. I need a, I need a person that I know. I want you to think of a medical term that you think I don't know what it means. And just kind of throw it at me and watch me amaze you at my wisdom. I, 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 wait a minute. Hold on for a second. <laughs> give me a mic. Give me a mic. Give, give me that microphone. You're just showing out. So you're just trying to just... Jump up on the brother. Really, really. Run over there and give her that microphone, would you please? Uh, and uh, this is really, um, I, I didn't, you know, you could have said aspirin, but that's fine. Uh, say your word again. What is it? Methicillin resistant staph aureus. That means you're real sick. <laughs> what, what is it? What's... Stands for MRSA, which is a resistant type of staph infection that makes you real sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Woo. Well, anyway, we won't repeat that word, praise God. <laughs> now, here's the point. My mind uh, is just not there. You could put all that up on a board, and I would not recognize it. God says that's how far apart we are. 
you cannot even recognize my will at all. When I talk to you, you get confused because you're not surrendered to me. Here's, here's a secret to that. We don't really have a relationship. Because you live by the book of you. When I'm going to ask you a question, you're going to say your name because you, you're, going to, you, you're hearing me, right? On the count of three, you're going to say your name. Your name is one, two, three. There you go. Work it. When I say the book of, you're going to say your name. Ready? The book of. So you live by the book of. Not the word of God. And as long as your mind is locked into your book, your way, your thoughts, your way of loving, your way of dealing with issues, managing your life, managing your money, everything about your life is managed your way, then that's what you get. Those are your results. Your results probably are tied to the fact that you've made the decision to never sacrifice your way for his way. It's all your way. So you look at your children, you look at your family, and those are the results. That's something to think about. You must be courageous enough to make sacrifices, courageous enough to make the decision to allow him to be the transformer of your thinking. And then thirdly, you must make a courageous effort to be exposed. Now, I'm jumping out of our text in Romans to Matthew 28, 19, because I just need, I need this verse to make the point. Matthew 28, 19 says something about exposure that I want to come back to. The first thing he says is, I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is the verses used for evangelism where Christians use this to say, God is calling us to go. When we go, we make disciples, we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and so on, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That, that is just a wonderful verse, but it's misunderstood. Because here's what I think people believe. It's kind of like this. God told me to go out there, help the lost world. Yeah, they need me. Need me to teach them. Baptize them. Help them meet God so they won't go to hell. <laughs> and you think all the going is for them. But really the going is to expose you. You're going to learn when you go. See, God knew the disciples would learn when they went. That's why he said, when you go, don't just go in and out. Go and disciple. I want you to hang around. Get to know people. Yeah, you're going to show them what I said about baptizing and all that. You're going to show them all that. But, but understand, I believe the whole part, the, the biggest part of the Great Commission and the part that's benefited me the most is as I go, it does something to me. It does something to me. It shows me people who live a different way than I live and who think differently than I think. Go ye therefore. You tell your kids, get out and go to the world. Right? Why do you tell them that? You want them to be exposed. I want you to learn everybody's not going to clean up behind you. I want you to learn that you have to work, <clears throat> earn your way. You don't listen to me? I want you to learn. Mother used to say, oh, you will listen to somebody. <laughs> oh, them people in blue come get you. 
You listen to somebody, you go in the military and tell them, I will not be doing PT today. <laughs> really? <laughs> you mean that, right? So, okay, good. I make a quick phone call. <laughs> Come get you. Take you down there. We help you out. Used to be in the old day, they beat you up first, then they take you down there, but they can't do that now like they used to. The world teaches you. Exposure broadens your mind. And I love the fact that there are three elements in this, in this, this mandate he gives. Repeat them with me, please. So there's a discipling element. Come on, so there's a traveling element. And there's a time element. I want you to see, I want you guys to go, and I'm going to be with you. It's going to take a long time to the end of the age. I'm going to hang with you. But I want you to see, I want you to go and, and disciple people, be intimate with them. I don't want you to just go and touch them. I want you to travel. I want you to go farther than you're comfortable. You've got to go a long way. can't just stay around the house. And there is a time element. Time, travel, and discipline. The question is, how long do you have to do this? Now, I close with this, and I'm really almost done with the sermon, but I want to give you a final big thought. You don't have forever to change. You don't have forever to change. You need to be careful that you don't create results. Be careful that you don't create results that can't be changed. And you can do that. I'm going to show you three guys. Eli, Samuel, and Moses. Say their name. Come on. Eli, Samuel, all of these guys ran out of time to change. Now, this may bother you, but I, I want you to just think about what I'm saying. For those of you that are uh, out of high school age, can you go back to high school? Pardon? What if you went back and tried to sign up? They call the police on you. I just politely tell you, you, just, you, if you wouldn't leave, they'd, no, you can't sign up. I, I cannot go back to my old high school and sign up. That's over. I no longer can do that. Places you used to work, can you go get a paycheck? You used to get in the paycheck line. You remember the paycheck line? That was the one day everybody came to work. Nobody called in sick. Everybody came in. You had to come in to get your paycheck. It was no direct deposit. There was no such thing. So everybody was healed on that day. <laughs> Anybody ever got in the paycheck line and your check wasn't ready? They said, come back in a couple of hours. They're not ready yet. You said, I look, hey, hey, I want my check now. Or it wasn't right. That's even worse, right? Then they'll fix it next week. No, you can't fix it next week. I need that $50 right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you young people say, what are they talking about? Don't worry about it. Thank God for direct deposit. Amen. Thank God. But what's really amazing is you sit there and you, you, you realize over time that you don't have forever to change. Sometimes you think you do. But if you go back and you're honest, there are things in your life that you didn't deal with. And one day, clock runs out. Can't fix this marriage. It's over. Cussed them out one time too many. Really? One, you know, you were mean to your kids one time too many. Every time they come over, 
I'm your mother. They say, see, uh-huh, watch, see, there you go, baby. Now they don't come anymore. You run out of time. People, people stop giving you opportunities. You don't have forever to change. You don't have forever to change. You don't have forever to change. The hospital is full of people. Not all of them, but some of them refused to change. The doctor told you, you have high blood pressure, and you won't take your pill because you're, you, you, you're saved. You're full of spirit. <laughs> but let me help you. You are full of the spirit with high blood pressure. And you need to take your medicine until you are not facing high blood pressure. It was so funny. I have a, uh, I'll give you a little personal information. My cholesterol number total is 140-ish now, 150. Pretty good for the total, right? And my HDL and LDL is good. I know my numbers. <laughs> They're good. But that's with medication. So on the form... I do this, we do, I'm in this wellness program, and I have, a, so I have a wellness exam and a physical exam, so I have two exams a year. And in the wellness exam, they ask you, so they said, do you have any um, cholesterol issues? I says, no, because my numbers are great. So my doctor read it, he says, no, Temple, that answer is wrong. I said, what do you mean, wrong? My numbers are great. Maybe I should even get, no, because I try to get, my body just tends to produce it. And if I get off, I'll go to 170, 180, I'll start climbing, even if I work out and exercise. So I just have to just understand that's part of my life. Come on, say amen. amen. See, I'll tell you my business, but I'm trying to help you. You never heard a preacher tell you his cholesterol numbers. You got to write that down. First preacher in my life to ever tell me. <laughs> but all my numbers are good. I'm really, I'm really happy with all my numbers. They're really great. But here's the deal. The truth is I need to take that pill and exercise and watch what I eat and be smart. Just because, see, some of, some of, some of us are not willing to have a courageous conversation and make courageous changes. What, what makes you think you get a pass? I don't get one. Why, why do you get a pass? Why, why must you ignore this? Eli, Samuel, and Moses thought they got passes. All three of these guys were preachers. All three of these guys were leaders. All three of these guys were godly men. Eli's Lack of leadership of his family created an unchangeable result, 1 Samuel 2 and 30. He allowed his children to steal from the offering, sleep with the women in the church, and he did nothing about it. He just went to them and said, hey, you guys, I heard you're doing some bad stuff. You know, people talking about you, and you know God will get you. That's all he said. But he hired them, but he wouldn't fire them. Samuel, the prophet, had the same problem. Samuel's lack of leadership of his family created an unchangeable result. 1 Samuel chapter 8, the people decided they wanted a king. The reason they wanted a king was because Samuel's kids were evil. He hired them and wouldn't fire them. Now, I gave you these verses below for a reason. I'm going to talk about Moses in a moment. Look at Eli's sons, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 20. Here's what God told him because of this. Behold, behold the days are coming that I will cut off your arms, the arm, 1 Samuel 2, 2 and 30. I, Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. You will see an enemy in my dwelling place. An enemy is going to take over 
your house. Wow. Despite all the good which God has done for Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. Come on, say, too late to change. But any of, you, your, but any of your, your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your hearts. The one that don't die, when they live, their life would be a, a grief to you. Sometimes you wonder, is that where some families are right now? That for generations, the family has refused to start over again. They refuse to change. They refuse to say, hey, this isn't right. And, and so the family thought they had forever. And so there comes a point, if you're not careful, where you get into this place. And if you, if you look close, a lot of families are here. Verse 34, now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Those are his sons. And one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. He will raise up for himself someone who will listen to him and shall do according to all that is in my heart and my mind. I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread. They'll be broken struggling. Please put me in one of these priestly positions. You'll wish you had this job again. Now, that's hard stuff. And somebody said, I don't like that part of the Bible. I know. Oh, Mother's Day. He said, all them things scare me. No, your mama told you that. Your mother warned some of you that. That's, that's a good mama talk. You just changed the language. Coming here with your trifling self, and I told you, boy, girl, you cute now, sister, but you don't listen to me, but you will find out. Oh, you, your mama's told you. There have been moments in your life when you've heard strong talk. This is God saying, hey, listen, guys, you don't have forever to change. And sometimes it's several instances later, nine months later, two babies later, three jail later. I don't know where it is for you. But at some point, if you don't change, you get to a point where these are the things that happen to you. Look at Samuel's life. Now, I came to pass this 1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel. The name of his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. But they turned aside into dishonest gain, bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel. All the, how many elders came? All the elders of Israel. Everybody saw it. They gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're, you're old, <laughs> and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now give us a king. Now, 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 make us a king to judge us like the other nations. We don't like this paradigm anymore. We want a new one. He made them lose faith. This prophet, this is a godly man, but he, he had this blind spot when he came to his kids. Just couldn't tell the truth. Couldn't confront things in his family. Good on the job, bad at home. Amazing all day, horrible at night. Nice on the job, mean at home. Passive at home. Doesn't matter. You ever had people come by your house and they bring their children and you wonder, do they see what's happening? <laughs> you ever had them? Now, I'm the one who say something to you. Come here. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. Watch it. That spot right there. No. I'm, I don't know. You don't have to come back. Be your last visit, Alpha and Omega. 
That's how I feel about it. I'm sorry. You tearing up my house. <laughs> In the name of keeping peace with you. <laughs> you don't pay me for that. No. I love you, but no. And I mean that sincerely with all love and grace. You know, come here, I'll take this shoe, throw one one way, throw the other way. Hey, grab them shoes. Come here. Put them together. I don't mind you walking, but we don't, I don't mind that. It's, it's just, there's, there's something about being honest about what you've become, a passive person who does not pay attention to things. And life is spinning out of control and nobody's saying anything. I'm not saying pick fights. I'm gracious. I'm a nice guy. But I think there comes a moment where I don't want to be Eli. You tell my kids, my name is not Eli. What you say? Daddy say his name is not Eli. Good. As long as everybody's clear about that. My name is not Eli. I would not be a godly man who has great prophetic ministry and a horrible home. Thirdly, I'm done. Out of all the stories, I say this one for last because Moses always touches me. Moses made a decision that was amazing. His decision was, he, he chose to be immature, and Moses' immature response to leadership pressure created an unchangeable result in Deuteronomy chapter 3. Listen again. His immature response to leadership pressure created an unchangeable result. Listen to this incredible dialogue. And I want to do this. I, I, need, I, need some, I need some music. I need some organ music for this. Because in, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, Moses gets into a spiritual moment. And play me some spiritual music. That, that, that me, I'm, and he's in this prophetic thing. God's, God's touched him. And here's what he said. I pleaded with the Lord at that time. Oh, Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan. Those pleasant mountains in Lebanon. Please, God, forgive me for being angry and smoking the rock. Almost cussing out your people that time. I'm sorry. I just lost my cool. But I've changed now. All right. And give me some, um, I ain't finished yet. <laughs> judgment music. I don't know. Hit something judgment sounding. But the Lord. <laughs> what was that, man? Was <laughs> you can tell he watched some cartoons as a kid, right? <laughs> but the Lord was angry with me on your account notice he's still blaming the people and would not listen to me the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me the Lord said to me enough of that you can hold for a second the Lord said enough of that speak to me no more Speak to me, speak no more to me of this matter. Don't you mention that again. Too late to change. Don't ask me again. Here's what I want you to do. Go up there to the mountain. Look over and see with your eyes, but you can't go in. 
You can play with God, make a decision, and miss everything God has for you. Now, what's really amazing is this. When you read this, it sounds like, how in the world could this be true? How could you run out of chances? What about grace? Well, you need to read the whole Bible. Yeah. Revelation 19.20 says you run out of time. That's why today you should change. That's why today you should make the decision to change. Have a courageous conversation with yourself, not just about, about what you think, but what you know you need to change. And when you do that, it's amazing what can happen to you. God will help you. And next week, I'm going to talk more about how he can help you change your bad side. All of us have a bad side. And I'll show you in Romans 7 and 8 how you change it. Did you learn something today? I hope you did. Praise God. Father, I thank you for what we've talked about. I pray that the message would sink into the hearts of your people that they would become excited. They would say, God, I want your best for my life. I want my life to change forever. I want these 36, 35 minutes to have been the most productive 35, 36 minutes of my life this week. May I take this word and use it to transform my attitudes. I want you, Lord, to be the Lord of my life guider of my thoughts and behaviors so that my results can be what they need to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, after hearing you today, I realize that I need a change in my life. And I don't have the power to, just, to start over by myself. I'm like Nicodemus. I'm researching. But I want you to pray for me, Pastor. I want to join you in prayer today because I want to start new today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. I want to leave out of you changed. Not perfect. Just going in a different direction. Not with all the answers. Just going in a different direction. If that's your desire, I want you to do something. Put your hand over your heart. Let me see you do it. If that's you today. If that's you today. In Jesus' name. Now, I want, to, I want to be clear about this because some of you, probably all of you did it. I'm talking about people who've never really, put your hands down for a second, you've never given your life to Christ. Not really, but you said, Pastor, today I realize that I need to give my life to Jesus. I have not been serving Jesus, but I want to do that today. Now, if that's you and you're giving your life to Christ, I want you to put your hand over your heart. Just put your hand over your heart. There's one, there's two. I see, see three. Do I see more? I see more people saying, yeah, pastor, pray for me. Four. I see four. Five. Slip your hands up so I can know who I'm talking to. Slip your hands in the air. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six. I see more. See you. Thank you. Father, every hand lifted now, please. Father, we, we pray for all who lifted their hands, many who lifted their hearts, and for those, oh God, who watched today. May your hand touch them where they are, in their job, their home, wherever they are. May this be the beginning of a new walk with Jesus, where their lives start fresh. Thank you for caring about us. This has been a courageous conversation about change. 
Some didn't raise their hand and some didn't put their hand over their heart, but they changed today. They said, Jesus, I get it. And I join the group and I make the commitment to start a walk with you today. We thank you for your forgiveness and this, this graceful opportunity to be born again, to start again in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Thank you for letting me pray with you. Listen, let me encourage you. If you raise your hand, there is a place called Get Connected.